We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And good Wednesday, everyone. It is the 21st day of December, officially the start of winter, they say. And winter is coming in with a bang across the country. Wow. Uh, We'll have a lot to say about the weather in just a a few moments. But, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of folks suffering already uh, from very... Yes, it's the first day of winter, but very unseasonable temperatures. But uh, what it's doing to the nation already and uh, for the, I guess, the eastern half of the nation, including the southeast where we're based here, uh, it's on its way. And people are preparing for it right in the midst of the final days before Christmas. So, uh, as I say, I want to talk a little bit more about that. But right at the moment, uh, uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine just arrived at the White House, uh, uh, the President and First Lady greeting him at the front door there, and uh, he is being taken in. We're already being told uh, that basically uh, the uh, Biden administration will be announcing $2 billion, two more billion dollars in military aid for Ukraine. Uh, I suppose we could have a long discussion about the merits of this, how far does it go. Uh, a lot of people are asking just how much money uh, is going to be spent by the American taxpayer on this ongoing uh, fight uh, between Russia and Ukraine, the merits of it, and certainly the the scenes that we see over the last year coming out of the Ukraine just pull at your heart, and rightly so, uh, what Putin is doing to that country. But a lot of people are beginning to ask, you know, exactly what is the end game here? When is when is this going to be declared a victory defeat, and how much further is the American taxpayer going to tolerate money being spent uh, in this particular campaign, where officially the United States States says we really can't get involved, other than providing more and more and more equipment, uh, missiles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But anyway, uh, that meeting just getting underway at the White House. Uh, we are told there will be a news conference there in about two hours. Well, as I say, uh, the U.S. is bracing for dangerous blasts of cold wind and snow. Uh, looking at reports coming out of the West Coast, it all kind of got underway in Seattle yesterday. Uh, flights being canceled uh, up and down, uh, at least as far south as Oregon. Uh, flights being canceled and now moving into the Plain States. It's going to continue to move across the country. Uh, here in the southeast, it is going to be a cold temperature event. Uh, we're talking single digits overnight uh, in uh, our area, Tupelo, Mississippi, northern Mississippi. And uh, to the north, just horribly cold there, plus blizzard conditions. I uh, was watching a live video feed out of Minneapolis this morning, and, and no question about it, uh, it's a it's a blizzard. And what that's going to do is people try to prepare for this uh, as best you can. 
as I say, just coming days ahead. Uh, listening this morning to Fox Weather's Robert Ray on what Chicago and other places can expect from this is cut number two. On Friday, temperatures are going to be literally zero uh, with real-time feels uh, potentially in the 20 to negative 30 degrees. And all of that is going to make Christmas just a nightmare for travelers as we have seen out in Seattle. The airport uh, just snarled already and many other airports are going to be look exactly the same like O'Hare International and Midway uh, here in Chicago. And I can tell you guys, you know, yesterday the shoppers were out trying to get last minute uh, Christmas deeds done. Uh, there are many people that are concerned about how cold it's going to get with these winds. Blizzard conditions and what that means is 35 mile an hour winds sustained for three plus hours and a quarter of a mile visibility. That's what we're going to see here uh, as this all comes in and Chicagoans are just going to have, have to hunker down. But if people wanted a white Christmas, they are going to get that. The only problem is, is that with cold and winds like this, it's very dangerous uh, and we could see power outages and down trees for literally thousands, perhaps even millions of people in this part of the country. Yeah, no question about that. And these cold temps getting down as far south into central Florida, places like Orlando and Tampa, getting into freezing temperatures and uh, what that may do to citrus crops, etc., etc. So the word is uh, to more than 100 million Americans who are going to be affected by this is Prepare the best you can. Stay inside as much as possible. Uh, that's always the appeal from uh, police uh, across the country. If you don't have to go out, don't. Uh, that is the bottom line. Now, you may say, well, I've got some extra Christmas shopping to do. That's got to wait, folks. Uh, I'm not going to be an advocate for online shopping because I know some people get upset about that. And, uh, you know, try to local shop as much as you can. But if you are going to do some shopping, uh, maybe online is the safest way to go. And uh, try to uh, to stay warm, get some extra blankets out, uh, be prepared. There are going to be places in the country that will likely lose power as best you can. Prepare for that. Um, but uh, this is going to be bad. It's going to last for at least 48 hours. Uh, particularly now moving into the center part of the country, and then on up to New England. If you are planning to travel by air, uh, you better be checking this out. Uh, already, some of the airlines at least are offering some waivers. For instance, if you're planning to travel out of Chicago, Minneapolis, over the next 24 hours, I think they're offering some waivers that you can change your bookings to later on in the weekend uh, without penalty. So check with your airline on that. But be prepared for this, folks. And as I say, if you do not have to go out uh, as this moves across the country, do not. Just be prepared to, as they say, hunker down, hunker down, and just uh, get through it as the best you can. By the way, too, I know a lot of you folks have pets, dogs, cats, and are pet-friendly. Uh but maybe I don't need to say this, but I'm going to say it. If you're one of those that normally keeps your pets outside, uh, please bring them in. Uh, do something, whether that, you know, put them in the garage, whatever the case may be. But be pet friendly. Uh, bring them inside. Um, uh, there's also concern uh, talking about animals. Uh, I've, I've 
been seeing some of the uh, the beef cattle uh, people across the country very concerned uh, because uh, a lot of these cattle stay outside. There's not enough shelters for them, and that could have a tremendous effect on the beef industry across the country as well. So this is a tough one, folks, and uh, we just need to be ready for it. Keep yourself, your families in prayer. Keep the families of others in prayer. Uh, the best thing that can happen, this thing moves through very quickly, and we get back to more seasonable temperatures. I know some folks who live up in the north, and they're probably saying, hey, <laughs> we're used to this. This is just starting for us up here uh, in the northern tier of the country, but uh, uh, it's it's still early. So uh, just be cautious, be prepared, stay at home as much as you can. All right, on to some other news of the day. Biden administration telling the United States Supreme Court last evening that Title 42 needs to go away, uh, but they're saying we're going to wait until after Christmas. Now, so what does that mean? That that means the uh, what's been happening now over the last two years under President Joe Biden is going to continue. That's the bottom line on this. And so we're going to see thousands more coming across our border illegally, making the simple claim that I'm claiming asylum, and the Biden administration is saying, okay, uh, you can stay. Here's the thing that we're also learning this morning more and more about what's been going on. The Biden administration apparently has been um, hiring NGOs. Uh, NGOs are basically non-governmental organizations. And paying these organizations to then ship these illegals across the country. There's a report this morning that uh, illegals are now living in every congressional district across the country. So what that means basically now, every state is a border state. Senator Marshall Blackburn of Tennessee was talking about this this morning, about our broken border policy, cut number seven. Since the Biden administration has broken the border and now we have an open border and now they're seeing this surge, they have to move them away from the border. So this is their plan. Send them to other states, send them to other cities and let the taxpayers in those cities and in those states foot the bill. This is a humanitarian crisis. And then you also have the issue with the drugs, the exposure to drugs, the fentanyl that people are are experiencing and the number of services, the amount of services that they're going to need. So this administration has shown their disrespect and disregard for the states. All right. So uh, Biden administration telling the United States Supreme Court, you may remember uh, a couple of days ago, uh, Chief Justice Supreme Court uh, said basically he put a hold on ending 42 for 24 hours to give the Biden administration uh, an opportunity to respond. They responded to the Biden administration last evening saying they still believe it needs to go away. In case you don't know what Title 42 is, it was brought in by the previous president, President Trump, uh, during the midst of COVID and basically said those coming to our southern border making claims of asylum uh, had to wait in Mexico until their asylum claims were heard. And, and, and 
Uh, and the uh, reason that was given is that we had COVID. There was dangers of uh, amplifying the the, uh, the problems with COVID. So stay on the other side of the border. So uh, that was due to uh, to come to an end, 42 today. So here's where we are with it. Biden administration says to the court, please wait until after Christmas, but we still want 42 to end. The bottom line is that this is nothing more than a continuation of what the Biden policy has been since he entered the White House. You will remember that Joe Biden, the uh, presidential candidate, told in a debate with other Democrats, this was early on, back in 2019, that he, if he was elected president, he was asked a question about the border policy. He said, if I'm elected president, I will invite a surge which is exactly what he has done. He's invited a surge. All of this is on Joe Biden. And what is happening? It's not simply people. I mean, we're talking now that there have been upwards of 5 million, 5 million encounters at our border. We know human trafficking is going on. Saw a video yesterday Uh, What the cartels in Mexico are doing because of this basically open border policy, they're actually going online and offering money to Americans who want to make a quick buck to go down to the border to pick up people who are then being taken into the country. There was a video of them, one of these Americans in an SUV filled with people and being stopped uh, by authorities. That's going on in countless number of occasions across the country. And then on top of that, you have the fentanyl issue, folks. I am told that up to five tons of fentanyl have come into this country since Joe Biden became president. It is deadly. It is killing thousands and thousands of mostly American kids. And how is Joe Biden able to get away with all of this? Because the mainstream media is in collusion, quite frankly, with the Biden administration. They're all Democrats, folks. Uh, More to talk about this. This is why they're so upset with Elon Musk, because he's taken over Twitter and he's taking down the barriers to conservative points of view getting out. We'll talk more about that when we come back. All right. You're listening to At The Core. Fred sitting in for Walker today. We're back in a few minutes. Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to the most recent reports provided by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, researchers looked at fertility rates for women of all age groups and ethnicities and found the nationwide rate was 16% lower than what is needed for a population to replace itself. There has been much discussion about the demographic winter in various European countries. Well, that demographic winter has reached the United States. The first command God gave mankind in Scripture was be fruitful. But man has the penchant to fancy his own ways over God's. Rejecting God's ways always carries severe consequences. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. A growing trend of parents doing away with the practice of sleepovers for their kids stems from a desire to remove bullying and sexual abuse dangers. This has sparked controversy online as public debate surrounds the balance of safety versus personal responsibility in the adolescent years. Parenting is not for the faint of heart. Discuss and make a plan for how your family will handle sleepovers with your girl, whether it's giving her a code word for a no-questions-asked pickup from a parent or nixing sleepovers all together. Through prayer, trust that your plan is for your girl's deepest good. Proverbs 14 verse 26 gives the godly parent confidence that the Lord honors their efforts to protect their children. He will be our refuge in times of uncertainty. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. A teenage jihadist comes to Christ. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and I met young Ahmed when I visited the Middle East. His father died fighting for ISIS, his mother was an extremist, and young Ahmed was going to be a suicide bomber by killing himself and others being sold out to violent Islam. Now, his mother and siblings, they came to Christ, they prayed nonstop for his salvation, and when it came, he was beaten nearly to death by extremists. And when I caught up with him several villages over, I asked, Ahmed, what's your Bible mean to you? And he said, I can look here and see where Jesus says they'll hate you because they they hated me and where Jesus says I'm with you always. Now listen, having a Bible, it meant everything to him and gave him perspective and his prayer was for believers there who need God's word to endure and persevere and I said, Ahmed, those Bibles, they're coming. $5 sends a Bible, $50 sends 10 $500 sends 100 Please in this season of giving, bless the persecuted church by calling 800-YES-WORD 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org and God bless you for caring AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And welcome back to this Wednesday edition. First day of winter. I, I, I think, I don't know if winter actually comes in around midnight or so. Um, uh, and then it, it bleeds over into the 22nd. Anyway, uh, we're getting our taste of winter weather across the country. That's going to continue for the next couple of days. And uh, as we were talking about in the early part of the show, just get ready the best you can for this and keep an eye on your neighbors if they need help. Uh, be there for them as much as possible. And, uh, you know, just keep praying that the Lord moves his system along quickly and, uh, and that we can get through that. All right. Uh, Elon Musk announcing he's looking for a new CEO for Twitter. Um, <laughs> he's, he's moving himself out of the job as a result of a poll that he himself put together. He's an interesting fellow. I'll, let me put it that way. He's an interesting fellow with his polls. Uh, but he is now almost at the same hatred level that the mainstream media has for Donald Trump. And here's why, why that is Elon Musk it's very easy. If you go back and you do a survey of stories about Elon Musk, the media, for the most part, loved him. You know, when they talk about Tesla back there, let's say in the last year or so, early on, the last year, Tesla's a great idea, the praising, uh, his adventures in space. He's a great guy, brilliant. But then when he expressed an interest in buying Twitter, it was like... He had just all of a sudden 
uh, said, I'm a Donald Trump person and I'm all in because the media just turned against him. And the whole story of his acquisition of Twitter was all about how evil this man, Elon Musk, was all of a sudden for doing this. And then finally, when the deal was finalized, when he purchased Twitter for the measly sum of what? Forty some billion, something like that. Four, four billion, forty four billion. OK, <laughs> what's a billion amongst folks? Forty four billion. All right. And then the, they, the media really went to town uh, when he started uh, uh, reactivating accounts of people with conservative points of view. Well, that was just it. The daggers have been out for him. I think he's he's handling it really well. He's just kind of shrugging it all off. But anyway, you had the poll out on the weekend. How many want me to hire a new CEO for the company? And I think it was 57% of the posts who polled uh, said, yeah, new CEO. So he said, yeah, okay, uh, I'll go on a uh, hunt for a new CEO. be interesting to see how long that takes. He's, he's even said lately, I don't know who would want this job. Uh, <laughs> but he's going to hunt for a CEO. Now, uh, I think as a conservative, it's – He's not giving up ownership of Twitter, so he's still going to have some control. But I'll tell you what, it's been quite amazing to watch, of course, the Biden administration, uh, the media, how much they dislike this man. Now that he's giving a platform back for conservatives to express their point of view, of course, we're also learning from the Twitter files that are being released, released of the collusion that's what it is, the collusion between the FBI and the former owners of Twitter and other social media platforms, uh, basically, number one, uh, to hide the Hunter Biden laptop story. Uh, I mean, the details that are coming out on this, folks. Uh, there's a headline this morning in the Daily Mail, FBI paid Twitter $3 million for devoting staff to processing its requests. That's where we are. And then, of course, we've learned through these Twitter files also about the fact that one of the top legal people in the Department of Justice during the Trump years was very much involved with the whole Russia collusion. And then when he had done his business there, he gets hired by Twitter, by the former owners of Twitter. And he was one of the leads in convincing Twitter not to run the Hunter Biden story. You see what's going on here? Very disturbing. And as our boss, uh, Tim, often says, you know, there are a lot of very fine FBI agents. Let's be very clear. Uh, The corruption, more and more of what we're learning is at the top. And the hope is when Republicans take over the House, there will be hearings on this, folks. There will be hearings on the collusion between the FBI, the Biden campaign, now the Biden administration, and social media. That's where we are. All right. Uh, Matt Whitaker is the former acting attorney general of the United States. He was on an interview this morning with Newsmax talking about government agents working with Twitter and other social media platforms to suppress Trump and others. Cut number eight. I I don't think the scope of this has even sank in yet because ultimately 
not only were they doing that against uh, uh, Trump on Twitter, but they had to even have a broader um, path through Facebook, through YouTube and some of the other, you know, Google. I mean, if you we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg right now. And, yeah. and ultimately, uh, once we get a full picture of what the FBI was doing uh, with social media, suppressing certain voices, uh, taking people off, uh, deplatforming and otherwise censoring, I think we're going to see this as the biggest uh, First Amendment violation in government history. Well, there you have it. I think he summarizes that uh, extremely well. And this collusion has also been part of the whole story of COVID and COVID vaccinations. Uh, the suppression of, over the last two years, of points of view from people, including very sophisticated medical people who started to express concern over the side effects of the vaccinations. And we know what happened. They were basically tossed off of Twitter and Facebook for expressing views different from Dr. Fauci and the CDC and the Biden administration. So the suppression, the suppression of free speech has been absolutely incredible, and I would say unprecedented in this country. That's where we are. We had an opportunity this morning on on our program, Today's Issues, uh, to talk to one of those medical officials uh, who whose point of view on the COVID vaccinations, and yes, it's, it's dangerous to some people. I'm talking about Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Peter McCullough from Texas. He is an internist, a cardiologist, an epidemiologist, and the chief scientific officer of the wellness company. So we had a chance to talk to him as to why he thinks that his point of view. He was warning people that for some folks, there were serious side effects to these vaccines. All right. Hey, listen, if you wanted to take the shot, take the shot, it's fine. But we now know so much more two years into this, that there are people who have expressed side effects about this, expressed concerns. And Dr. Peter McCullough was one of them. I want you to have a listen to a little bit of what he had to say on today's issues this morning. A government from the very beginning has been completely committed to mass vaccination as the only solution to the pandemic. And that is without exception. They believe each and every person in the country should be taking a shot every six months or more frequently. That's the government's stance. And they haven't wavered from that, from President Biden to Surgeon General Murthy to Anthony Fauci Walensky. They're very consistent on this. A shot for everybody every six months, and it doesn't matter about safety. They could care less how many people die with the vaccine, suffer heart damage or blood clots. It's a government stance. He's not one. Like I say, he is a high-ranking medical official. He was one of those early on, oak warning, and his point of view was suppressed just because he didn't go along with Dr. Fauci. So I hope, along with investigating everything that's been going on with regards to our southern border, that Republicans, when they take control of the House, that there will be uh, a lot of investigating going on with regards to decisions made so that the facts, the American people, and the American people, for the most part, unless they listen to Fox and some other conservative news agencies, have been kept. We, we know that there have been surveys done that people had known 
about the Hunter Biden laptop story, it would have changed their minds in the 2020 election as to who they voted for. So I hope there are also uh, hearings with regards to the suppression of other points of view on, on the vaccinations. We now know so much more. We know so much more about the vax. Uh, the shots don't keep you from getting COVID again, don't keep you from spreading COVID again. Uh, all of this information is out there, yet we see in some blue states where they're already talking about mask mandates again. So let's get to the truth. That's the bottom line in all of this, and I, I hope the Republicans will stand fast on their plan. All right. I want to bring you another story we've been working on today. And this story actually uh, uh, came our way from uh, an interview done by NBC, and it has to do with a Texas school superintendent, Jeremy Glenn. And he, um, he was secretly recorded talking about school with school library officials about removing removing offensive books from the school library. All right? That's all he was talking. He said, you know, our, our community is conservative, and we need to take these books off the shelves. It's not appropriate. Graphic images, graphic language, I want them off the shelf. Someone secretly recorded what he was saying. So I want you to listen to what he was saying, and then we'll come back, and I'll tell you the rest of the story. Cut 14. In this community, we, we're going to be conservative. I'm not saying that we're going to be uh, pulling all our books out or burning books or anything like that. Absolutely not. I think there's an absolute place probably for every book. It just may not be in a public school library. I can tell you that um, just at random, uh, some books were pulled before the break, and, and I grabbed a copy of the book, which had kind of a provocative cover on it, and within probably less than two minutes, I flipped to a page and just started reading a random page. And, uh, and Miss Clark said, she turned red and said, please stop reading that. And, and the point is that a 14-year-old a girl doesn't need to pick up that book in our library and read it. And I'm not saying that a parent can't say, I want my kid to read that book. Or you may say, those books should be in our library. Well, they're not going to be. And if a kid wants to read them, they can go to, like, to the public library and get them. All right. So that's Superintendent Jeremy Glenn. He's expressing concern. Parents have brought to his attention concern about certain books on school library shelves. Very offensive to parents. They want those books removed. He agrees with those parents. So as I say, someone was secretly recording his address to these uh, employees. They went to the ACLU. And now the ACLU has gone to the Joe Biden Department of Education Civil Rights Division. They have opened up an investigation. Now, one would have thought that here in the United States, that a school superintendent acting on the concerns of parents would have the right to remove offensive books from the shelves. But not according to the ACLU. They're all in on exposing kids in books that promote, let's be very clear about that, books that promote 
a sexual perverted lifestyle. And now the Biden administration's Department of Education, the Civil Rights Division, is saying, you know what? We're going to come after you. That you violated some law, free expression, or whatever the case may be. You know what? If I was a bet man, as our founder, <laughs> Brother Don, would say often on the air, I was a betting man. If this superintendent was expressing concerns of parents in a particular jurisdiction that there were books that put the Bible in a positive light on the shelf, do you think the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Education of the Biden administration would be saying, we're coming after you? I don't think so. But because it's books that deal with sexual perversion, uh, this school superintendent now is in the spotlight. Uh, so much more could be said. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, our guest right now is Dr. Tina Dis- Diskovich. Uh, we're going to have her. Uh, we're going to have her in just a few moments. She is a co-founder of Moms for Liberty. And this, this is one of the exciting things that's going on right now in our country, folks is that parents, and I, I give full credit to what happened in Virginia just over a year ago, when parents found out what was going on in their schools, what their kids were being taught, of course, transgender policies, et cetera, et cetera, that were going on. And we had the horrible incident uh, in Loudoun County where a boy claiming to be a girl was allowed to use the girl's washroom, a girl was assaulted, and what happened then is that the superintendent in charge then moved that boy to another school where another assault took place. Fortunately, that superintendent has now gone away. And that's what should happen. See what happens when truth finally comes to light and parents are finding out across this country what is going on in our nation's schools. And they're taking action. They're going out and they're running for school boards. They're having more of a say in what their kids are being exposed to. And I see that as a very positive reaction. All right, stay tuned. Much more ahead here. And uh, we're going to be talking to one of those activist moms when we come back here at the core on a Wednesday. Fred sitting in for Walker. Don't go away. By now, you know that Sandy Rios has stepped away from the morning show. But don't despair. Sandy is shifting her talents to podcasting. She'll still be a part of AFR. And now she won't need to wake up hours before the sun to keep us informed and encouraged every day. On the podcast, Sandy Rios 24-7, you can enjoy the knowledge, insight, and interviews you've always loved on Sandy's morning show. Sandy Rios 24-7, beginning the week of January 9th on AFR.net. American Family Studios was started back in 2011 as a way to advance the Christian worldview into an increasingly media-rich culture. Media is like such a powerful tool to communicate the gospel. I love writing stories, getting in my office, and just thinking, how can we portray this concept of who God's character is? 
and to get to use the gifts that God has given me is really a joy. AmericanFamilyStudios.net The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. There were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. For American Family Radio, this is Gateways to Better Education. I'm Eric Bueller. Most people don't realize that Christian missionaries are the reason why so many people around the world learned to read. Robert Woodbury, a political science professor at National University of Singapore, stated in his research that, quote, missionaries wanted people to read the Bible in their own language, which meant poor people and women needed to be able to read, unquote. He specifically pointed out that the tribal people of Northeast India did not have a written language at all before the 1890s. But once missionaries helped them develop a language, almost all of them became Baptists. Today, this region has the highest literacy rate in India, with most of that being among women. Christians have made a positive impact on world development, and our students need to learn about it. For an article on Dr. Woodbury's research, visit gogateways.org forward slash radio. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And indeed, we're back at AFA at the Core on this Wednesday. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker Wildman uh, talking about uh, a situation involving a Texas school superintendent, North Texas, uh, the superintendent there, Jeremy Glenn. And uh, recently he was recorded, unbeknownst to him, talking to his school library staff saying they had to take some very explicit LGBTQ books off the shelves. The parents, he said, in that district, very conservative, and they don't want those books on the shelves. And now he is the topic, the subject of an investigation by the Joe Biden Department of Education Civil Rights Division. Also, I just put a, a, a story on our uh, website, AFN.net, our American Family News website. South Dakota's Board of Regents this morning ordered a review of university campus events and its policy on minors attending them after a drag show at South Dakota State University last month faced criticism from conservative lawmakers. What did they say? They were concerned that it was advertised as being kid-friendly. Can you imagine? Folks, this is the kind of stuff that's happening all the way across the country. But as I was mentioning just before the break, One of the good things when this information now has been coming out over the last couple of years is that parents are getting active and they're fighting back. And one of those groups is Moms for Liberty. And we're very delighted 
to welcome right now one of the, the leaders of that group, Tina Diskovic. Uh, from, uh, Tina, you're from Florida? Yes, sir. Yeah, the great state of Florida. We could just talk the about great free state of Florida. Yeah. <laughs> uh, t- tell us a little bit about your group, Moms uh, for Liberty. Glad to do it. So, Moms for Liberty was founded by myself and my co-founder Tiffany Justice. We're both former school board members here in Florida. We both served from 2016 to 2020 uh, in different counties. We didn't know each other, but as uh, COVID unfolded and we were voting on our boards, we were losing our votes. Uh, to, against masking children and forced quarantining of helping children and all of the things. And so we, we got to know each other through that time. And when we came off the board, we kind of looked around the country and we saw parents really struggling with how to approach their school boards and make an impact and get them to listen to them. And, uh, you know, we saw, everybody saw, all of America saw, we like to say, behind the education curtain during COVID. And so we, we just kind of put together a plan of how we can help parents be more effective in defending their parental rights at all levels of government. And uh, January 1st of 2021, we're not quite two years old, we launched Moms for Liberty. You know, uh, Tina, I'm 65 plus. So my experience in public schools goes back to the day when, uh, first of all, my parents warned me to respect the teachers. All right. Number one. But number two, the teachers understood that they needed to reflect the values of the parents and not fight those values. So now we're in the midst of a time where that has been turned around almost 180 degrees in various places across the country. I I dare say in the majority places across the country, where now parents are having to fight the battle against a school system that is attempting to erode what parents are trying to teach their kids really quite remarkable. I think everybody's kind of paying attention to it now, so no one would be shocked to hear you just make the statements you made. Um, people always wonder, you know, and ask, how, how did we get here? How did this happen? Well, it's been going on for decades. Uh, you know, Tiffany and I saw it happening behind the scenes as school board members. I, you know, would try to sound the alarm, try to get the community involved in reviewing textbooks and such uh, as we were going to approve them. And nobody cared. Nobody wanted to pay attention. You know, a lot of conservatives over the last few decades kind of seeded the ground, I think, with public ed. They either decided to homeschool, uh, you know, politically, we decided that school choice was the only option and we put all our eggs in that basket. But 85% of America's children are still in the public school system. And so one of the reasons we launched Moms for Liberty is because we, we knew by running for school board and working in our own communities that we had to save all the children, not just our own children. So what kind of battles are you fighting right now? Oh, good gravy. It's different all across the country. So we formed uh, chapters is how we are structured by county. And in under two years, we now have 260 chapters in 43 states. And so it's, it's very vast, our organization. And we the chapters meet monthly. And they take a look at their school board agendas, and they decide in their communities what the problems are. So we don't push issues necessarily from top down. But what we see is a consistent problem everywhere. I heard your story before this. Uh, you were talking about uh, books in in the school systems that are concerning. And uh, many, many of our chapters are finding pornographic books 
uh, inappropriate books, sexually explicit books in their public school libraries and some in grade schools, elementary schools. And so our parents have been working across the country to uh, create policies with their school districts or even having to take it to the state level uh, to get books removed or at least, you know, up on a higher shelf with parental permission only. Uh, It's really, it's astonishing when you see what's in these books and how obscene they are uh, that school districts are pushing back against our moms. What's the agenda of a school system that would allow, let's take, for example, those kinds of books on the shelf? Why are they doing that? So I think there's a lot of good people still in public education, and I think some of them have led, have been led to believe that um, by sharing and allowing this type of stuff, children access to this type of stuff, that they're being more open-minded Um, You know, a lot of these books that are sexually explicit are based in LGBTQ ideas. And so it's interesting because you know how they work. So if you're an administrator and you say that book's sexually explicit, they say, oh, there's nothing wrong with that book. You think it's sexually explicit because there's a gay child in the book or a gay adult in the book. And that's not necessarily the case, or it's not the case most of the time. These books are sexually explicit. But once you call a, a leader of a school who's in public education a bigot or a racist or all of these names, it tends to silence people. And so I, I think people have just been quiet and they've let it happen. On the flip side of that, there are people, sick, demented, deranged people that have an agenda that want to destabilize children. And we can dig into that a little deeper if you choose, but uh, they want to destabilize children, and you do that by sexualizing them at an early age, and I think that's the core of what's going on. Well, let's dig into it a little bit deeper. Uh, Along with the books, there is now the growing concern in some jurisdictions where basically schools have decided that, for instance... If a little boy or little girl goes to a school counselor and says, I'm feeling confused about my sexuality, that uh, one of the things the counselor is saying, we we don't think we should inform the parents about this. Uh, Are you starting to see that as a major concern? We're not starting to see that. We have been seeing it. So in 2018 here in Florida, when I was on the school board, other school boards around the state started uh, putting procedural guides in place without school board members, elected school board members even knowing. So the district staff was putting in place procedural guides in school districts that that do exactly what you said. Uh, They were affirming children uh, behind closed doors. Uh, having meetings and the procedural guys laid this out. They weren't hiding the facts that they were doing it. Like they, you know, it was in the guise of, of how do you treat children when they want to discuss their gender identity with you? And schools were told that they needed to uh, help the student choose a, a pronoun, help the student choose the name they wanted to go by, which restroom they wanted to use, which locker room they wanted to change in. And even believe it or not, which sex they wanted to sleep with in overnight field trips. And these guides laid out, the guide lays out exactly, not only does it say we won't tell parents, it says uh, you will deceive parents and you will use the birth name and the birth pronoun with parents and you will use the new chosen name and the chosen pronoun with students. And completely unacceptable. It's been going on in Florida for a long time. Uh, We have new laws here now that Moms for Liberty worked on to help get passed and the governor signed to protect parents and children from that happening any longer. But it is absolutely happening in all other 49 states. 
Um, I think people really need to work with their leaders in their school districts and their legislators at their state level to get laws in place to protect children and families because what is happening is is astonishing. You know, here in Florida, there's a few lawsuits from our parents that it has happened to them and their children. All right. Let's say I'm a parent in one of these 49 other states because, as you say, you live in the great free state of Florida. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but I'm a parent that doesn't live there. Uh, but I love my kids. And I'm getting concerned. What do I do first? The first thing you do is, I mean, first of all, you know, you work with your children to have an open and honest relationship and make sure that they know they can come to you, obviously, and that you will love them and you will help them and you will guide them. But what you can do as far as your school district is you can go do a public records request or a FOIA request, whatever it's called in your state, and you ask for the LGBTQ support guide for students. And you take a look at that and you see what your school district has laid out in those situations. And if your school district is one of these districts that have decided it's a good idea, not only to lie to parents, but to deceive them, uh, you start publicly bringing that forward. You reach out to the local news, you share on your social media, you get up at the next school board meeting and you speak about your concerns and you will find your like-minded people that will step up and stand next to you. Yeah, but Joe Biden's Justice Department might regard you as a domestic terrorist. You do that. (laughs) <laughs> yes, Moms for Liberty, uh, many of our members have already been, not many, but some of our members have already been uh, tagged with that title. They've been contacted by the FBI over the last year after speaking wait, at a school board wait meeting. A minute, wait a minute, it's, wait a minute. Really, I, I got to stop. You know of parents who have been notified by the FBI? Yes. Yes. Absolutely, we do. 100%. Our moms have been contacted by the FBI because they've been reported on by school board members after a school board meeting where they've spoken out because they were upset. Um, one mom in particular, her I think her child was quarantined for 60-something straight school days, and he was healthy. He did not have COVID, but he'd been exposed. Um, you know, this was last year. He'd been exposed. And then he'd go back to school and he'd been exposed again and been exposed again. And so it's like 60-something days straight, the child had missed school. And she showed up at the school board meeting to, you know, give them a piece of her mind. And they called the FBI and uh, said she was, you know, they needed to report her <laughs> as a domestic terrorist. Uh, I'm sitting here shaking my head, Tina. And I, I'm just wondering, my goodness, what is happening out there? I mean, you have a school system working against the parents, turning parents who express concern over to the FBI. Um, it's a problem, yeah, from the top all the way down to school boards. But look, if you look at what happened last year with the DOJ, with the FBI, with the Biden administration, with the National Education Association, they colluded. All the public records requests came out, the FOIA requests came out, that they worked together to target parents to silence them. Well, uh, in the great state of Florida, uh, you have a governor that believes in parental rights and is not afraid to say that. I understand in the last uh, round of elections, there were a lot of conservatives that won elections on school boards. Uh, So, Tina, uh, we want to leave parents out there who are concerned for finding out about these things with with some hope that it that things can change. Oh, yes, things are changing. We have a long way to go, uh, but we do stop to celebrate the successes. So again, not even two years in existence, 
Our chapters endorsed over 500 school board candidates this year. We won well over half of those in the great state of Florida. We had an 80% win rate because our governor got behind many of those candidates. Uh, and 1776 PAC and some others came in to help too. Look, nationally, we had zero dollars to put behind those candidates, zero dollars. And yet we won over half of them just with moms that were on the ground, passionate, getting the word out. So, you know, as we grow and we, we are able to fund this organization and do some things, um, we're going to take this, these districts back one school district at a time. But listen, the teachers unions are in all 13,000 school districts. So we have a long way to go, a really long way to go. In California, for example, the teachers union, uh, the California teachers union put in $2 million and their school, behind their school board candidates this last election. We put in zero dollars. So, you know, we just, we have a long way to go, a long fight. So we ask that people will, will join us in any way that they can help. Well, Tina, God is on your side. Uh, and that makes all the difference because what you as parents and your group, Moms for Liberty, are trying to do is stand up for those principles. And uh, we congratulate you. That's Thank all, you, sir. That's all I can say. Hey, listen, tell us a little bit about your website. We only got a few seconds here. Tell us a little bit about your website, what's there, and how that website can help people get started. MomsForLiberty.org. You can uh, join our, you know, just sign up for our newsletter. You can find your chapter. There's a big map. You can click on the gold, the light and the darkness of your county and join your local chapter. Uh, You can check out our next national summit, which will be in Philadelphia next year. We're really excited about that. You obviously can donate to us. Um, We have a Joyful Warriors podcast you can subscribe to, and we're on all social media at Moms Number 4 Liberty. I like that. Joyful Warriors. Joyful Warriors. Amen. That's who we are. We are Joyful Warriors. Hey, uh, Tina Diskovich, so good to have you with us today. Thank you for being a Joyful Warrior and for encouraging others to get involved with this fight because our kids are worth fighting for. Amen. Great to have you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Fred. All right. You take care. All right, folks. Yeah, that once again, momsforliberty.org. Momsforliberty.org. Go there. And if you need to start one of those chapters, you need to go ahead and do that. All right. Great to be with you today. Uh, This hour has flown by once again. Uh, Fred sitting in for a walker. Don't get a chance to talk to you again. Have yourself a wonderful Christmas. Stay warm, stay safe, and stay enthused. Amen. Bye for now. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.